You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Our reading this morning is from Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. I'll be reading first in Korean and second in English. We do this occasionally so that we are reminded of our global faith. It's a glimpse into eternity when people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be gathered around God's throne, worshiping Him together. 열한 제자가 갈릴리에 가서 예수의 명하시던 산에 이르러 예수를 배웠고 경배하나 오히려 의심하는 자도 있더라. 예수께서 나와 일러 가라사대 하늘과 땅의 모든 권세를 내게 주셨으니 그러므로 너희는 가서 모든 족속으로 제자를 삼아 아버지와 아들과 성령의 이름으로 세례를 주고 내가 너희에게 분부한 모든 것을 가르쳐 지키게 하라 볼지어다 내가 세상 끝날까지 너희와 항상 함께 있으리라 하시니라 Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. So on the day of the resurrection, this is the passage following the resurrection passage in Matthew 28. And on the day of the resurrection, Jesus calls his 11 disciples to himself. Already there's something to note here. The number 11 is an imperfect number. We're already missing someone. Already the church is walking with a limp. Day one, the church is imperfect. Manage your expectations. And he calls his 11 to himself to cast a vision for what life this side of the resurrection is now going to look like. This is what life on this side of the empty tomb looks like. And the one word that he uses and that's used throughout the scripture to describe what this life ought to look like is the word discipleship. Discipleship. I heard a story an individual that was raised in a Christian home, raised up in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that loved Jesus and loved each other really well. But what he said was, I had no concept for what discipleship is. I'd heard the word, but I didn't know what it meant. He said that he could say confidently, I am a Christian, but he could not confidently say, I am a disciple. Why does that matter? Well, if you look at the scriptures, the word Christian is used only three times in the New Testament, and it's not always a positive term. The word believer is used 15 times. The word disciple is used 235 times. So while the term Christian is an appropriate description for who we are, me twice, but who we are, the, the word that the, the Jesus and the Bible used most often was disciple. So I think that it's very important that we understand what this means 
and what it entails for our life. So we believe that being a disciple really breaks down to three simple things. This is the way that we here at Reality describe discipleship. This is a very brief description, so hopefully you will understand what it means to be a disciple as well. Being a disciple is number one, being with Jesus, number two, learning from Jesus, and number three, becoming like Jesus. That will be our outline for this morning, so let's look first at discipleship means being with Jesus. A life of spiritual vitality, a life of spiritual significance does not come by simply studying the inspiring life of Jesus Christ and then seeking to imitate him. Christianity is not like YouTubing it, where you, may, you need to replace the, the light in your, in your car, like the headlight in your car, and so you're like, I'll YouTube it. I'll just watch them and do what they do. That works well in your car. That does not work well in Christianity. Should we admire Jesus? Absolutely. Should we seek to imitate him? Absolutely, but it's more. Spiritual vitality comes through union with Jesus. This is so much more than admiring who Christ is. Now, is the life and ministry of Jesus uh, something to admire? Absolutely. In fact, you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who's ever been exposed, even in a small way, to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, whether they're a believer or not believer, who isn't just at least a little impressed by his life. Most people, believer or not, would say, yeah, the life of Jesus was pretty inspiring. But a life of discipleship requires more than being inspired. William Barclay put it this way, Jesus is not a figure in a book, but a living presence. It is not enough to study the story of Jesus like the life of any other great historical figure. We may begin that way, and maybe that's the way you're beginning today. But we must end by meeting him. Jesus is not a memory, but a presence. Jesus is not someone to discuss so much as someone to meet. And so to be a disciple is a call into nearness with the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, the book ends of this passage are really talking about intimacy with Jesus Christ. He calls his disciples to meet with him in Galilee, but then at the very end, he makes this amazing, promises, amazing promise to his disciples. I am with you always. His final words, I'm with you. We're together. One of the most simple and yet powerful ways to describe what a life of discipleship uh, is something we find in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus used this short little phrase often, and it was just a two-word statement. Follow me. Follow me. Os Guinness said it was these two words that changed the world forever. Follow me. What does it mean to be a disciple? Simply put, it means to follow Jesus. There's an old Jewish saying from around the time of Jesus' ministry that went like this. May you be covered in your rabbi's dust. And the idea was that you would walk so closely that the dust from the shoes of your teacher would be upon you. You're right there. So the picture of discipleship is nearness. It's intimacy. It's proximity. 
And so when thought about this way, follow me isn't just about like where we're going. That's sort of a secondary thing. Where are we going, Jesus? The primary question is who are we with? Follow me is a call to be with Jesus. And it's an encouraging one because discipleship isn't ultimately about what Jesus wants from you. Discipleship is God saying, I want you. Can you receive that today? Like, it's not that God needs from you or Jesus is necessarily demanding from you. Jesus wants you. In Mark chapter 3, when Jesus called his first disciples, it says that he appointed them, quote, so that they might be with him and then he might send them out. He calls them to himself. This is where we as a church get one of our core values. Ministry flows from intimacy with Jesus. That's what uh, Jesus said in John chapter 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing but abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Stay close to me. A A life of faith is not simply what we think or what we feel about Jesus, even though thoughts and feelings are important, don't get me wrong. But what we see here is that even for the original disciples who are looking the risen Jesus square in the face, they are still dealing with this strange mix of doubt and belief and disappointment and hope and a little bit of cynicism and a little bit of worship all bound up together. But what's the important point? They went to him. They came to him. The life of faith is described as a movement with Jesus. Look with me again in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, or maybe better accurately um, translated, while you are going. So the assumption is that the disciple is moving, and as you are moving, make disciples of all nations. Faith isn't static. Faith isn't just intellectual assent. It's not just thinking the right thoughts about God. Even demons think the right thoughts about God and tremble, James would tell us. It's a total reorientation of our lives and our future around the person and the work of Jesus. It is a movement in a new direction with Jesus. And this is what baptism represents. It means to be totally immersed in the life of God. Look at me again in verse 19. Make disciples of all nations doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we are plunged into the life, the Trinitarian life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism is a picture of being fully engaged in the way of Jesus. And if I can be corny for just a second, it is a truly immersive experience, right? We're, we're, we're sort of obsessed with immersive experiences. There was the Van Gogh experience I think the Andersons went to. It, it, these immersive experiences mean that you know, you're surrounded by sounds and sights and smells, and the idea is that you are being totally enveloped in this sort of captivating environment. 
It involves your whole life being engaged. Nothing is held back. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is held up outside of the waters of baptism, so to speak. It's, it all goes under. I love this prayer from St. Patrick where he says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise. This is the vision of being a disciple. Now, if we were just to leave off there, it would be really easy to believe that discipleship is about me and Jesus. Thus far, we're sort of playing into Western individualistic ideas of Christianity where it's Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. It's just me and God against the world. But notice that this entire scene here occurs when the disciples are together. It's interesting, in John's gospel, Thomas misses the appearance of Jesus. Why? Because he's not with the community. When does he see Jesus again? When he's back with the community. Can Jesus reach someone alone? Of course. But here in Matthew, Jesus does not appear to them individually. He appears to them collectively as a community. Which shows us that Jesus is experienced uniquely and I believe most transformatively within Christian community. Now, you can have Christian spiritual experiences. You can have profound Christian experiences on your own, maybe in the wilderness, maybe at a monastery, maybe in your own private devos in the morning, but you can't have discipleship alone. It doesn't work. By design, discipleship happens together with others. What is discipleship? It means being with Jesus. You still with me? Okay, secondly, discipleship is about what? Okay, good. Learning from Jesus. Now, this is a call to learn from the one that we follow, but I want you to notice something here. There are no descriptions about Jesus' appearance here. Matthew gives us very vivid descriptions earlier in Matthew 28 of this angel that is bright like lightning. We see a picture of these guards trembling and falling to the ground like dead men, but there is no description here in Matthew of what the risen Jesus actually looks like. Why? Because clearly Matthew thought that it was more important to tell you about what Jesus said than to tell you about what Jesus looked like. Why is that important? Because as we're told in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You notice how obsessed we are with trying to like recreate, this is National Geographic and like Time Magazine, this is what Jesus might have looked like around this time. I think that that is great for one reason, to show that Jesus wasn't white. Other than that, I don't think that those are very helpful to us. Faith comes by hearing. When we experience Jesus in a life-changing way, it does not come through visible descriptions of him. It comes through listening to his life-changing words. This is why Jesus then tells his disciples, quote, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
This is the important part of discipleship, is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Listen to me. There is no expectation for you or any other believer, for that matter, to have a mystical experience of seeing Jesus in a vision or some sort of dream or being enraptured in some sort of visible display of his presence. There is zero expectation for this. There is no top-tier Christianity for the ultra-spiritual enlightened ones. The Bible tells us that one day we will all see Jesus face-to-face in all of his glory, but for today, Jesus has made himself available to be known and to be experienced in life-changing ways through his word. We encounter him by hearing him, period. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I should have probably defined this earlier, but the word disciple actually means learner. It means a pupil. It, it's, it's another word for a student. And one of the primary ways that we learn from Jesus is through the scriptures. This is why we as a community take so serious uh, People being in the Bible, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, enjoying and learning from and growing through the scriptures together. And uh, to plug something mentioned earlier, if you are new to the faith, if you, like many, you're like, I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know where to start. Or maybe you have gotten way off track. Or maybe you just realized, like, I need something consistent in my life. We want to make this spiritual formation guide available to you. It is free it is basic, clear, and simple, but aesthetically pleasing. I cannot, um, I cannot commend this to you anymore, so please, on your way out, just grab one. And it gives you a basic framework for praying and engaging scriptures. You have no excuse to walk away saying, I don't know how to do this, okay? But again, notice this. Together, together, we learn best from Jesus within Christian community. The late Dallas Willard described God's vision for the church as being, quote, an academy where people throng from the surrounding community to learn how to live. And he described it as a school of life. I love that description. What is the church? It is a school of life. A way of living in this world and relating to others that is so true and righteous and compelling that people come and say, how do I get in on this? There is something about your life that is different than my life. What I'm doing in my life is not working. Can I learn from you? What a simple yet beautiful vision for the church and making disciples, a school of life. I want you to envision that right now. What would it be like if Reality Church was a school of life where people come and they learn how to live and they learn how to love in the way of Jesus. Now, in one sense, we're students. But I think even immediately after I said that, you're like, uh, not interested. Because you're thinking like classroom setting. You're thinking tests. You're thinking exams. You're thinking papers. You're thinking grades. 
you're thinking about that terrifying experience of having to give a speech in 10th grade or whatever. Like you're thinking about all those traumatic experiences. Instead, what I want you to think about is more of like an apprenticeship program. Think about the school of life being on the job training. Now, I, right out of high school, was an apprentice for a short amount of time. And it wasn't pretty. Um, I didn't know how to hold a hammer. I didn't know how to read a tape measure. I didn't bring any skills. I didn't bring any tools. I brought nothing to the table. And it was all very, very um, intimidating because I'm sitting here not knowing how to do anything. And I look around and I'm like, everyone knows what they're doing. (laughs) And I have no idea what I'm doing. And I need someone to hold my hand and baby me through the process. And it was humbling. But slowly over time, by sticking with it, by, by persevering, abilities began to develop. The kind of knowledge that comes through experience, not just head knowledge, but the kind of knowledge that has been called, but I'm told isn't actually a real thing, like muscle memory. When, when activities and actions and responses become sort of second nature, you don't have to like sit down and really concentrate. It just kind of flows naturally where, where habits are formed through practices over time. Discipleship is the same way. Discipleship is the same way where we learn to love and we serve and we obey as apprentices. And over time, be patient. Over time, be patient with the person next to you. Over time, those new God-honoring habits begin to replace the old sinful habits. And it's not just through a transfer of information That's why I'm always reluctant when someone's like, I'm really struggling in my life. I'm not going to say, hey, you should probably read this book then. We'll get around to the book. It's not just through a transfer of information, but it's through practice, apprenticeship. And then finally, the goal of discipleship is about becoming like Jesus. Again, Dallas Willard said this, the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It is what you become. That is what you take into eternity. Now, this does not mean that we disregard actions. Please don't hear me wrong. But what is meant here, and what's meant to, what he means to highlight is that God desires so much more in your life than just behavior modification. There is nothing miraculous about behavior modification. Anyone can temporarily modify their behavior if they're, if they need to, right? Like if you're under threat of being kicked out of the house, what are you gonna do? You're gonna change your actions. Or if they're like, this is your last warning before you get fired, what are you gonna do? Hopefully, you're gonna change your actions temporarily. But the vision of discipleship is a vision of transformation, not just our behaviors, but our whole being, our hearts and our minds being renewed. The good news of the gospel is that when We trust in Christ. Again, like apprenticeship, we bring nothing to the table. But when we trust in the perfect life of Jesus, his sacrificial death where he took the penalty of our sin, his powerful resurrection where he overcame Satan's sin and death, when we trust in this Christ, what we receive in the empty hands of faith is new life. We receive a new identity. We receive a new family. We receive a totally new way of looking at the world and relating to the world. The Bible says we become new creations entirely. 
And what we do is we receive the ultimate gift of the Holy Spirit. It's hinted at, or I guess not even hinted at, it's the Holy Spirit, he is mentioned in this passage, but as we read throughout the, the scriptures, the New Testament, we, it develops this theme of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling our lives, actively at work to make us more like Jesus. Why does God give us the Spirit? Because he's committed to make you like his son. And so for the disciple, we don't have to cross our fingers and just like wish that we're going to change. It's a promise. And it's something that God has provided for us. Even the most stubborn habits, even the most stubborn behaviors that we have in our lives and that we hate about ourselves and maybe the people in our lives dislike about us, can be changed through participation with the Spirit as new, better, more life-giving habits and characteristics begin to replace the old ones. Again, the call of discipleship is about what we are becoming. And as we're told in Mark chapter one, and Jesus said to his disciples, listen to these words, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Think about this statement. I will make you. I will change you. I bear the burden of transforming your life, Jesus says. Here's the good news of the gospel. We don't have to make ourselves anything. Jesus is not requiring you to make yourself anything. What do we have to do? We have to stay close to Jesus. We have to stay in step with his spirit. We have to submit to his will and his way. And as we stay close to Jesus, and as we learn from Jesus as apprentices, we will become like him. This is God's design for discipleship. This is the way. Wah, 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 wah. So just in case, right now, you're like tempted to get overwhelmed and you're tempted to be discouraged and like fall back into like, well, that, I can't. I'm not a good Christian. I suck at discipleship. I'm not good at this thing. I want to conclude with Jesus' astonishing promise. His final words recorded in Matthew. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How can I, how can we live as disciples? And here, here's the bigger question. How can we live as disciple makers? By going all in on Jesus' promise here. I am with you. This is not about giving it all you've got. Christianity is about giving it all he's got. I am for you. I am empowering you. I am forever in your corner to support you, to grow you, to lead you, to give you everything necessary to be my disciples. Look to him and give it everything he's got. Amen? Amen. Let me pray.